Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this morning is the Gospel lesson from the ninth chapter of Mark. Dear Christian friends, one of the questions that frequently comes up from the good people of God is this What will heaven look like? This is a good question. And you would think that in 66 books of Holy Scripture, we would have a good description of heaven. And most of you would expect me to answer that question by flipping to the final word of Revelation to describe heaven, and you would be right. And yet even John's grand apocalyptic vision cannot capture what heaven would really be like. You've probably also heard this. What age will I be in heaven? What will I look like? Will I be dark or blonde or gray? Will I be short or will I be tall? My standard response has always been this. You won't be disappointed. (laughs) And even more importantly, you won't care. And yet, wouldn't it be a great surprise to all of us when we get to heaven to see that it is a place for the maimed and the lame, that it will be filled with people without hands and without feet and without eyes. For these are those who realized that in order to enter the kingdom of God, they had to cut it off. Better to be handless and footless and eyeless than to go into Gehenna, that is hell, where worm does not die, and the fire is not quenched. Scripture may be silent about heaven, but it certainly is clear about hell. Those hearers of Jesus' words knew exactly what he meant when he said Gehenna, for this was a place right next to the holy places in Jerusalem. This is the infamous Valley of Hinnon, a ravine just outside the Temple of Jerusalem, where, during the history of Israel, children were sacrificed by fire to the pagan god Molech. And when they finally put an end to these sacrifices, they turned this valley into a dump for all of Jerusalem's garbage, a smoldering, burning, wormy, stinking, unclean gorge that was the perfect image of divine, everlasting punishment. To go to Gehenna was to be banished to the worst, most unimaginable place in Israel. Now is Jesus really telling us to cut it off? Hand, foot, or pluck out the eye? If it causes us to stumble over him? That is, to deny that he is the Messiah Christ, to deny that he must take frail flesh and die, to deny that his presence is hidden under simple things like water and word and bread and wine, to deny that our lives are not defined by our toys or by our jobs or by our families or any other human identity marker, to deny that suffering in this world is the means by which Jesus reveals himself to us. 
even if that suffering comes at our own hands, when we cut it off so that the valley of Gehenna is not what we enter, but rather it is the kingdom of God that we enter, even if it's handless and footless and eyeless. Now you will say this to me, but Professor, Jesus is speaking figuratively here. He doesn't mean to literally cut off our hand or our foot or pluck out our eyes. This is hyperbole. This is exaggeration to make a point. And we get it. We must be willing to give up things in order to enter the kingdom of God. And we will do it. These hands that grab for sin will slap them silly to keep them out of the cookie jar. These feet that lead us into bad places will put lead on them to keep us from going down those roads or at least slow us down. And these eyes that lust after the delights of this world will put on blinders so that we can keep our eyes on the prize. We'll do that. Just don't make us cut it off. That's going way too far. But you know, Jesus isn't speaking only about sin here, even if your translation says so. If you cause a little one, Jesus says, that is, a baptized Christian, to stumble, to be scandalized by leading them into sin, or by suggesting that Christ crucified is not enough, better to suffer the horrible death of drowning in the sea with a millstone around your neck. And you know what the consequences are for hands and feet and eyes that lead you to stumble or others to stumble, to be scandalized by sin or by Christ crucified. You see, we're guilty on both counts. Gehenna is ours, whether it be sin or works. Sin is rebellion against God. You know what that's about. We want it our way, and we want it now. And we can't stop sinning, no matter how hard we try. It is our nature. It is a virus that has infected every pore of our bodies. And yet it's just as bad, even worse, if we say we believe in Jesus, if we say we even embrace a crucified Christ, and yet deep in our bones, we don't think that Christ crucified is enough, enough for our salvation. That we have to do something. That we have to contribute in some way is as great a scandal as sin. For what we're saying to God is this. You see these hands, these feet, these eyes? They can't be all bad. Jesus, we will try harder. We can overcome sin. Give us a chance. We're with you. You've done your part. Now let us do ours. Will we be as surprised when we get to heaven as the disciples were to see that the name of Jesus has power. 
that it is effective in casting out demons, even though those doing the casting out were not those who were following us. And this name of Jesus, what's that all about? And salt, salt is good. What does that mean? And what is the connection between the name of Jesus and salt to this cutting it off in order to enter the kingdom of God? Well, wherever the name of Jesus is, there is Jesus. Bodily. Doing what Jesus does. Setting free those who cannot free themselves. Setting them free from their sins. Setting them free from the evil one and his demons and his legions of demons. Setting them free from the absurd idea that being good is the way to enter heaven. And those who are set free by this name are those who have reached the point where they are ready to cut it off because they know there is no other way. It's the hand, or it's the foot, or it's the eye, or it's Gehenna. You see, you must become like that prodigal. You must hit rock bottom. You must recognize by repentance that you have nowhere else to go. That there is only one place where there is grace. And that is to the Father. To the Father's house. To the Father who is merciful. Who you know will receive you back because he is a graceful man. And so you come home. You are summoned by those who cast out demons in Jesus' name. And you don't care that those who cast out the demons in Jesus' name to bring you to this point where you're ready to come home are handless and footless and eyeless. All that matters is this, as Jesus says, the one who is not against us is with us. You will receive a cup of water because they belong to Christ, because you know that they are the salt of the earth. They are beggars who bear the presence of Christ in their broken bodies. They are the ones who have endured the hostility of the world, bringing upon themselves the fire of God's wrath, the very wrath that killed Jesus on a cross. These are the ones that bear in their bodies Jesus' scars. Scars they receive because they were not ashamed of Christ crucified. They were not scandalized by him. Scars they bear in their bodies because these marks of Jesus were inflicted upon them by the same powers that crucified Christ. In fact, to look on those scars is to see Jesus, the crucified Jesus, the Redeemer of the world, broken, bloody, glorious scars. Yes, these are fellow prodigals. And you know how to identify them. 
They are the ones without hands and without feet and without eyes. They are the ones who are at peace. They are so broken that when they finally appear at the gate of the Father with you, they know they can't enter on their own. But you know what? The Father sees all of you, his broken ones. And while you are still off, he runs to you and he overwhelms you with his grace. He throws his arms around your necks, showering you with kisses, and then he slays the fatted calf. And only then will you know that you have come home to the Father's house and you are in heaven. This is the place where he has prepared a banquet for the lame and the blind, a banquet for you in the presence of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And only then will you know that you have come home to feast upon the one who has placed his name on you as he placed it upon Miriam this morning. And he will then embrace you with your stubbed arms and legs and he will heal you. And so cut it off, for salt is good. It is the only way to enter into the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.